0: Hi and welcome back to episode 7 of the circuit breaker podcast My name is Isaac and this is a series that I've been trying out thanks to the not so month long stay home notice anymore right so for those of you who have been catching up to the news today is the day or you're listening to it tomorrow so yesterday was the day in which we just got an extension of the circuit breaker month uh, and it's been extended from May the 4th to the 1st of June So if you're listening to this and you've not heard the news, I don't know why, you need to crawl out from under the rock because you shouldn't be listening to a podcast if you're not listening to the news. In any case, yes, we are going into an extension of the Circuit Breaker measure and we are all the way deep into 1st of June right now. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast this far. Uh, And it's been really nice having all of you kind of reach out to me and chat with me about it. Uh, Even with the ideas that you've been sharing with me, it's been really, really helpful. Um, And already, some people have already been cracking kind of funny jokes to go, hey, bro, your podcast got to extend earlier. Um, So, yes, I think we will kind of be in this for the long haul. uh, And it is very tempting to just pick up on headlines every single day and talk about them in this podcast. Uh, But at the same time, I want to make sure that this podcast just isn't just another podcast that kind of gives you uh, bad news after bad news. And it's a theme that I've been talking about. So today is a bit of a special episode because I planned this episode before the whole entire extension. So I will spend some time uh, somewhere down this week talking about the extension and things to kind of think about. Uh, But I really wanted to plan this episode because uh, it is something that I feel is very close to my heart. And as you would have already guessed by the title itself, uh, I'm dedicating this episode to my late grandfather who has since gone home to be with the Lord and it's been seven years. And it's been seven years since he he left us. Uh, and every year, it kind of... Every time we approach Good Friday and Easter, uh, I can't help but always remember Akong as I fondly called him. Uh, and so I thought I spend a little bit of time uh, talking about something that matters to me even in the midst of all these things and to share a few anecdotes about my Akong Uh, and kind of tell you a little bit about his history and and who he was really to me. Um, So it's a bit of a a different kind of episode again, and it's a bit of a mixed bag. So I'm going to try my best to hold it all together, uh, and here goes the story about me and Akong. So as a kid, I, I must honestly say that I have very scattered memories of my grandfather, right? So, I mean... I know where we went for family dinners on Sundays. I know kind of the food that we always ate. Uh, I remember the chair he used to sit in. It was a bit of a rocking chair. Uh, I remember the rabbit he used to have uh, and the countless fishes. He had fishes almost everywhere in the house, or at least that was my memory as a kid. But I wouldn't say I had a very close relationship uh, to my grandfather as compared to some of my older cousins. And to give you some context, I ranked second last in a, a rather big family. And so I was quite young, and my grandfather was already very old, and I had so much older cousins who, who were already in the army and so on and so forth. So they, they did have the advantage of really knowing my grandfather uh, in his younger-ish days. Uh, and so by the time I came along, I was probably just another digit in the Tan family. Uh, and again, I think for my younger brother, it was probably the same. Our relationship only kind of grew closer between me and my grandfather uh, unfortunately through a few uh, mishaps and things that had had to happen. Um, and so my grandfather fell ill and he actually had an op to to be done and he fell down as well. And so Akong actually moved into our home to live with us. So it wa- I was probably in polytechnic, so I was about 18, 19 years old when uh, that happened. Uh, and it was through that time that I also learned a lot about what family and what love kind of looked like. Because... Akong actually fell down and he was unable to walk uh, for a while and he had to be on catheter and it was quite inconvenient, right? So trying to go to the toilet was really hard and he was in bed a lot. And uh, he even developed like sores, bed sores, which kind of happened when you lie too long on bed. Uh, and at this time, my mom was the one who, uh, alongside the helper, was actually helping him daily, right? So she changed him, she showered him. Uh, she made sure that the, the wound was clean. So there were a lot of things that I learned just by observation and kind of looking at how my parents uh, treated their parents. And, and it was quite an interesting situation. Uh, again, forgot to give you some context. Uh, akung ah is actually my, my father's dad, so he's my paternal grandfather. And he's the only grandfather I've ever known as a kid. Uh, my maternal grandfather unfortunately passed away uh, quite early on and, and I never really knew him I think uh, probably was a baby don't know whether I was I actually even coincided uh, with him but but my paternal grandfather Akung ah is the one I'm talking about in this podcast so as he moved in with us then a few arrangements obviously had to be made we, we didn't live in a house where uh, me and my brothers had our own rooms uh, because my father always thought that it was a great kind of way for us to kind of bond and learn to be brothers so we stuck to staying in the same rooms all our lives actually uh, and it was around this time when uh, Akung fell down and he moved in together with Ama, my grandmother, uh, and uh, we gave up our rooms for them to actually stay in, uh, and I was really kind of thankful at that willingness and that participation from my brothers as well to kind of actively just give up our beds um, so we spent quite a few months sleeping in the hallways and uh, the smaller spaces uh, around the house um, and of course we don't live in like a tiny three room lah, right, so I'm a- exaggerating a bit, but but we lived in a bit of a HUDC, so there was ample space to kind of place uh, mattresses around. And so my bedroom, uh, my designated bedroom became the living room. right? So each night with the helpers help, uh, we would set up our beds, uh, put down our pillows, uh, turn off the lights by about nine thirty when they went to retire into the room so the lights wouldn't leak leak into so the lights wouldn't leak into the rooms and kind of bother them. And uh, so the living room was my bedroom, uh, and it was not the easiest place to be, I must say. Uh, Because Akun and Ama actually woke up very early. I mean, as old people, they tend to be quite early risers. So they come out fairly early. And some days I would have to kind of wake up to move my bed a little bit to make space for his wheelchair to squeeze around. Um, And I think it got a bit weird as well on the weekends, right, when my uncles would come over to, to visit their father. Uh, and uh, sometimes you know you just knock out right. You are young. You knock out, uh, and you're just still sleeping. So sometimes I'll be sleeping in the living room in the morning, uh, and you just kind of just learn to sleep through the sound and the talking, right? So I'm literally sleeping there, right? Well, they're talking over me about like my grandfather, his condition, how he, he's doing, how he's been, and so and so forth. And it was about this time where I had also developed uh, a new habit and a, and a new practice uh, of actually. Going into my grandparents' rooms each night uh, to hold their hands and to actually say a good night prayer. Uh, and my grandfather, thankfully, understands English, so it made it a lot easier for me. My grandmother, unfortunately, only speaks Mandarin and dialect Hokkien and Teochew and, and Cantonese, none of which I'm, I'm fluent at. So I had to learn how to pray in Chinese, which was kind of an interesting situation. But each night I would go in, I would kneel down beside their beds, cling onto their hands, and mouth those prayers. And it became a bit of an evening uh, ritual of sorts. And I think recounting this, even as I was preparing for, for this podcast, I, I miss that a lot because even right now when I'm thinking of my, my grandmother, uh, she's actually staying in a home. And with this whole circuit breaker situation, uh, none of us can visit her uh, anymore. right? And, and I, I thank the home for, for making some concession and, and allowing a video call to go through. Um, but really, it's, it's, it's situations like this where you start to think and you start to miss the people that you love. But actually, back to my grandfather, I, I got to know Akong a whole lot more uh, just four months before he passed. And this all happened because in uni at Wikimwi, we were asked to actually do a photojournalism project uh, on a family member. And not that all my other family members were boring or I already knew their stories. It just so happened that I really wanted a subject that I didn't really know at all. So that, I guess, journalistic integrity at the time, right? If I were to write, if I were to report, the photos would kind of be reflective of that sense of discovery. So I went to speak to my grandfather and and at this time, he had already shifted back to his home. So he had moved out of our home. He was a lot better. He was now in his own home. And in this project, I had to kind of discover a theme, I'm trying to make something out of nothing, right? Like it can't be a case of, oh, this is my Akong kind of situation. So. I actually had to really kind of dig deep into his history, spend some time talking to him. But even before starting this entire project, I kind of already knew some things as as they were like family kind of folklore, right? The stories that you would hear about people. So some facts that I knew about my grandfather before I started this project, right? So he is an English educated, So he went to RI back before the war began. Uh, and... He actually met my grandmother during the war. Uh, and I mean, not during the war itself, but like, there was no fighting. I, I, I'm sure when I say that, you'll be like, like there's a grenade dropping or like a head drop, and then they met. No, it wasn't so dra- dramatic as that. Uh, my grandfather met my grandmother as they were both working during the war. Um, and she was Chinese educated. So they only ever conversed to each other in Hokkien. right? As the common tongue between the two of them, it was only ever Hokkien. Which is really interesting, right? Because you talk about today, and if you cannot even like, speak a language that you can converse. It's, it's so hard for you to even be convinced that that's a person you should spend your life with, I guess. Um, but they, they, they got married, and, and that's when they lived through the war. And, and, and he worked actually for the British Army first, and then obviously the Japanese Army when the occupation kind of took over. Uh, and then back again to the British, because that's how the story went, right? But after all that, he actually settled his family at Pekyo. Uh, and Pekyo is uh, a neighbourhood found within Farrah It's still there today, it's not a foreign place. Uh, if the name just sounds foreign, it's because you probably haven't been there before. Uh, but at Pekyo, he actually served as the secretary of the Community Centre Management Committee. All right, It's kind of like the RCs that we have today, right? There will be someone who uh, helps to organise and administrate the things that are happening in and around that space. And that was what my grandfather did. And back in the day, uh, this was quite a different job, right? Because the context is that, you know, he can speak, he can read and write in English. It's no, it wasn't something that people could, not everyone could do back in the day. And so his job really was to kind of pen letters and reach out to politicians and ministers to help better the lives of the people staying at PICU. And there were tons of other names of people who obviously unwritten in history books. But these are the people who actually make quite a difference on the grassroots level. And so that became uh, the core of my project. Um, And you can still check it out online. It's theforgottenbuilder.tumblr.com. It's a photojournalism project that I did. Uh, And you can check out the pictures that I took because I tried to kind of juxtapose uh, pictures of old from National Archives that I found and the pictures of present day to give people a sense of, of, of that background and that time. And my grandfather was honestly, I guess, a man with quite a big heart. Uh, but that also came with his own fair share of weaknesses, too, because I guess learning about my grandfather was, was that one glorious sign of the grassroots level, and also learning at the fact that he probably wasn't very present as a father to his five sons. Um, and that's something that and I think he really tried to actively make up when he became a granddad with all the grandchildren, uh, because just looking at the relationship that my cousins have with him, they, they tend to have quite a close relationship. And that's kind of like quite amazing, I think. But it's super interesting that as I looked through the National Archives and I saw pictures of my grandfather with Lee Kuan Yew and Go Keng Sui, um, those were pictures that were quite interesting, right? Like, like, I don't think everyone can say their grandparents took pictures with great politicians in that day. Um, and it was really fascinating for me to, to find out that that he gave so much for people. And he, and he gave so much to kind of build a nation, uh, not in a way that he needed to be noticed, uh, but in a way that was just for his own present circumstance. And as the project kind of concluded, I really kind of had a newfound respect for my grandfather. I saw him in a different light, uh, from just an elder figure in the family to a builder that kind of helped lay this foundation of a nation that we have today. Silent and forgotten, but he was very much my Akong. And in, in the months following this, he had fallen ill again. Uh, and and this became the last few months that I actually had with him. Um, as he was admitted to the hospital, I think on the 2nd of April uh, on in 2013, um, I spent the next 18 days uh, as much as I could with him. And he slipped in and out of a coma and together with my brother, we actually took shifts to, to stay with him throughout the night. And we even had to, you know, do things like stir a thickener into water and to spoon feed him water bit by bit because he couldn't just have liquid water, otherwise it would have choked. And this is coming off the bat of doing that project, and I, I must admit that I felt very, very affected by it. I felt very heavy most of the time, and I didn't know what to do because I didn't know whether this was going to be the last few days that I had with him. So I did what I was doing all the time during those projects. I took out my camera and I spent the last 18 days of his life with him in his hospital bed by his bedside, uh, taking photos of him, photographing moments that he had with uh, his great-grandchildren even who were present when they came to visit. And I must say it was a truly humbling and healing process that till this day when I look at those photos, each time when I miss him, I know that he's in a better place. And of all the photos I've taken in my life, I must say, right, that this series is the one that means the most to me. You know, I, I didn't get to have Akong ah at my wedding. And neither will he be able to carry my firstborn. But regardless of all these other milestones to come, um, he will always be my Akong. Ah and and I I would challenge you today, you know, if if you've not taken it upon yourself to take a picture with your loved ones today, you should especially if they live with you, right? Better still, you know, grab a video camera uh, or grab your phone and just flick on the video function and, and, and film them and, and, and record audio clips of them even. Because one of the coolest things, honestly, is that up to today, I can still hear my grandfather's voice in my head, right? As I think about the best piece of advice he's given me <laughs> and, and the constant piece of advice he, he gives me in a warm and very gravelly kind of voice, he will always say, you know, do everything in moderation, uh, and he would say this to me about eating, right? Hey, don't eat so much. Eat, it. you know, eat in moderation. Or even when I started working out, he'll tell me, you know, you, you have to work out, but you have to work out in moderation. And so today, I still have that 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 audio memory in my head. And I think that through this experience, even as I'm recalling my grandfather now and I'm missing him so much, you know, this was an experience that 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 really changed me uh, in this last few moments in his life. And it changed me because it, it changed the way that I, I, I interacted with the people that I love. And it made the the need to want to document and capture some of these moments even more pressing and more important. So even as you're thinking about, oh, I'm gonna post an IG story about my next family gathering and so and so forth, you know, like like those are the moments where you can actually capture a uh, snippets and memories that, that will, will last for a long, long time. Now, today we we don't all get to be able to have moments like that because of the whole COVID situation. And I pray that wherever you are out there right now, you know, if you have a loved one close to you, and you're listening to this podcast, please take that time, you know, ready to spend time with them, put a smile on their face, and capture that smile. Capture that smile and make sure you remember these moments because even in the lowest points, right, if we have family beside us, we can really kind of make the best of each situation. I just want to say like, like like, this entire experience of me documenting this even right now um, is healing for me. And it's a time, I guess, for you as well to reach out to someone that you love right now and really reach out to them and, and, and capture them and spend these moments, though they may be dull, though they may be pressing, though they may be tiring and frustrating, but spend these moments with the ones you love And really kind of use this time to to remember them. uh, And remember them in in the best way possible. Alright, so that's a little bit more personal of a podcast today. uh, And I will talk a little bit more about uh, the COVID situation here in Singapore and the fact that the CB measure has extended. But regardless of all these things and all the bad news out there in the world, I think there's so much love going out from me to you today. And I just want you to have a great and wonderful day. And if you're thinking about this and this podcast make you smile, you know, go and call someone that you love. Call your grandparents up, check in on them, make sure they're all right. And just share your love around as well. So thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Uh, It was an interesting episode 7 to kind of put together even in the midst of all these things. More podcasts to come because the circuit breaker measure has extended. So hear this space. You can't watch this space. So hear this space. I'll be back. Stay tuned. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. I hope you have a great and pleasant day.